This is episode number 159. What is my inner work with Amit Raikar? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Ads Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming event this Sunday on July 26th called Survive to Thrive, Your Past Does Not Determine Your Future. This is a five-hour experience that will be hosted virtually through Zoom, where we'll get a chance to hear from three different speakers from all over the country on the topics of unlocking our potential, facing our fears, and breaking our bias. If you're interested in getting connected to other people within this community and learning more about these particular topics, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash survive to thrive. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Now, let's get back to the show. Amit, welcome to the show. Thanks, Oleg. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. And I'm glad that you and I actually chose to hit the record button. Otherwise, we would have had an hour-long conversation (laughs) prior to the actual conversation. And this topic that you chose for for this particular conversation around the question of what is my inner work or deep inner work, it got me thinking and... The reason why it got me thinking is because I started to kind of go down the rabbit hole of thinking that that inner work is so important for me. And what I've learned is that how do you continue to dive into that inner work, especially during times of adversity? And today's thought helped me understand that it is actually adversity that, in my opinion, is the best teacher or the best outlet for that inner work. I can because see it almost, it gives you no, in my opinion, it gives me no other option, but to dig deep. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of pick, you're either going to go this way, or you're either going to go that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's like a, that fork in the road where either circumstances, whatever they might be, something has shown up, whether it was uh, wanted or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a choice. Yeah, it, it's, there's a choice that you have that you can be making to status quo continue as is. And that's a choice. And, um, you know, I think it, it'll have an impact on the potential quality of your life. I mean, it, it's interesting that you, you highlighted it on this topic of adversity because two things are coming to mind. One is um, I, I would, for, for quite some time, I would tell people that I'm much more a spiritual person than a religious person. Uh, I grew up Hindu. I'm Indian. I was born in India, but I grew up outside my whole life. And, um, 
but definitely as a young adult and growing up then, um, I got exposed to the book, uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart mm-hmm. Tolle. Mm-hmm. And his starting story is, is exactly what you're saying. He was depressed. He was at the point of suicide. And then there was a breakthrough there for him that either he could have gone down that path, continue to go down that hole, or there was this opportunity to really see what is truly real and um, how that question uh, showed up for me. What is my in deep inner work to do? And then what is the, the outer work to do? Uh, there's been two phases of that. One, the pandemic, COVID, COVID-19. Yeah. And it's really highlighted what's truly important in my life right now. What's truly important for me to um, address with all the stuff that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And then another layer deeper with um, all, all the racial inequities that have been there in the United States um, and most recently most highlighted by the murder of George Floyd. And what does that mean about how we're living here in the United States and our relationship to the black community? And for me, that's, that's actually where this question really highlighted, shut up for me is like, oh crap, like, do you swear on this show? I don't know. Too late. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was kind of like as as an Indian man, right? What is what is my deeper inner work to do around this topic of race, and um, and and I was really reflecting upon this, and and uh, it was quite challenging because there's one layer where there's a lot of empathy of this is just horrendous what happened to George Floyd. And it's not the only isolated incident. Right. And what is my role as an Indian man um, to be engaging in this dialogue? Because uh, I've had, uh, I've experienced my share of racism. Um, and, and most of that, has, I, the brunt of that actually has been when I lived in uh, England. However, in the U.S., I've never been afraid for my life when I got stopped or got pulled over by a cop. Mm-hmm. Like just even the thought of that, like, yes, does my heart, you know, like speed up? Do I get nervous? The anxiousness is like, Oh crap. Like, what did I do? Um, yes, that's absolutely there. But never once have I ever feared for my life when getting pulled over by the cop. And that is, is not the same experience for black community and so that's actually where that question came is like okay what's my deeper work around this because that's sort of two layers because i have to be able to see what does it mean for me what that i have received privilege right i um and i've been having conversations i think with a couple of your past guests to sajel later on we're actually um going to be having a dialogue and conversation of uh, what does it mean for you know different uh, impacts? The model minority myth. I've definitely played into that. Like 
I was a good Indian student. I, I studied hard. I did the college route. I did the master's route and, and I benefited from it. So mm -hmm. I got to play into that. So on one hand, that is definitely a privilege that I've benefited from. Um, my, my parents are educated. My dad has a PhD in physics. And so all of those elements that come into play. And so, okay, there's acknowledging that inner work. And now, okay, what, what's the, uh, what's, that's one thing to do the inner work. Um, it's another thing to just say, okay, great. I'm just going to do my inner work and sit there mm -hmm. and, and the world can figure out their own stuff. And, and we, we can't do that now. It's kind of like you said at the, right at the beginning adversity, the, there's some tension that's reemerged in, in another sort of at another scale for the black community, for a lot of, you know, uh, a black brother sisters like this has never gone away from that for them like they they've continued to struggle with aspects of this but for for the rest of us in broader society okay what what's the outer work to do now you know mm -hmm. so like white fragility number one amazon bestseller right like people are are really flocking to educate themselves and that that's a good sign that's progress right the real, the real progress is going to be how do we keep engaging in doing the outer work? How do we keep engaging and having conversations? And so for me, at least the initial part was like, okay, I'm exploring what is the conversations I'm looking to have. And so that's actually, I reached out to Sejal. Like I saw some of the work, you know, some of the things she was posting about, you know, conversations she was having between like the South Asian community in the black community. So I reached out to her and she's the one that introduced me to, uh, to you. Mm -hmm. And so now we're having a dialogue. And so I remember last night I was talking to my wife. I was like, oh man, I've got this uh, interview. I've got this podcast call with Oleg tomorrow and I'm kind of nervous. It's like, okay, no, this is part of me doing that outer work, me stretching myself. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a lot of, I, I see a lot of this energy of uh, yin and yang that's been showing up um, in my world, professionally, personally, for this growth. Um, there's opportunity to really step into something that might be outside my comfort zone. And I've been doing that with exploring possible, you know, client opportunities that I haven't been doing explicitly as much. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I have an opportunity to serve and step into that, but it's also newer territory for me, um, an opportunity to talk to you. So that's kind of the, the interesting sort of inner and then outer work. What's the yin and the yang stretch outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How's that show up for you as I'm saying all this? I think for me, it's relatively similar as far as choosing to step into a space where I can understand things that I may not have understood or known before. The thing in regard to books, one thing that I'll point out is that there are numerous books besides white, fr white fragility that speak about these concepts and topics. And what I've also learned throughout my conversations is that when it comes to having these conversations with the black community, for example, those conversations can be had through other forms, 
Uh, there's a book that I've been reading called Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm -hmm. Similar concepts, challenging your bias, challenging your past, challenging your assumptions, expectations. The question that I have right now for myself and, and for you as well is knowing what we know, how does that change our sense of responsibility? Mm. What are we responsible for at this moment? Am I responsible for sharing that information with other people to have a greater impact, greater level of awareness about what they can do? Or is there another layer to it? And that's where I think the conversation changes as something that you pointed out as well, is that it's one thing for you and I to sit here and consume information, mm, right? all the books, but it's a whole other ball game to actually identify what do you do with it now? So you read this book, now what? Right. Or you had this experience, now what? Right. Yeah, great question. I think that speaks to the, uh, the what's the outer work now? How, mm -hmm. how are you shifting how you might be living in this world? So for me, my journey is going to be different than your journey. Right? Mm -hmm. um, my journey is going to be different than um, an affluent white male, you know, and I think what is, what is our responsibility? So for me, part of it is recognizing um, where might I have been complacent or brushed aside, not even brushed aside, but felt like, ah, that topic is uncomfortable. Uh, I'm not sure I want to deal with that. Right? It's too heavy right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give an example of a um, conversation I was having with a family member. And I was bringing up some topic about the struggle that I was having in my life. And part of me reaching out to this family member was, was to say, I'm struggling. I, I don't know what to do. I need some support and help. And as I was sharing my struggle, that person wasn't able to hold the space. And, and basically it was like, I, I, I can't deal with this right now. Like it, this is stressing me out too much. Like, you know, like here, what can you do next? And, and basically it was just like trying to jump into like fixing and doing and moving on. Cause it was right. uncomfortable. Right. It was too heavy for them. And I just felt like my heart just sunk. Like here I am, I'm, I'm asking for help. Right. You're a family member of mine. I, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm vulnerable and I'm wanting help. And, and, and they weren't in a place to be able to handle that. Now, once again, there, there's, um, to, to be able to honor, you know, we have to be able to honor our boundaries. So if somebody is coming to me, and if, if it feels like it's a boundary that I'm not able to hold, then we have to be able to honor that. And I think this is now 
part of the responsibility piece. How can we individually, so this is maybe going back to the inner work. What is the inner work that we need to be doing, can be doing to mm. enhance our capacity to be able to be with more discomfort, to be able to hold more space for the heavier things, right? And we have to be smart about it, right? Because um, we can't overwhelm ourselves with that because then, you know, that can lead to, you know, overwhelm, depression, stress. Mm-hmm. and stress. And then if, if we're like falling apart, then, then we aren't able to be supportive for others. So there, this is that sort of imagery of the yin and yang. Um, another concept that sort of has really been prevalent for me is this concept of uh, absolute versus relative compassion. So the, the very first silent meditation retreat I went to, um, it was hosted by, oh, wrong book, um, Norman Fisher. And he has this book called Training in Compassion, Zen Teachings on the Practice of Lojan. And so Norman Fisher, he used to be a, a Zen Buddhist priest um, and taught for many years at the, the San Francisco Zen Center. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had heard this concept in other in similar ways, but the way that he articulated just like so landed incredibly. And I feel like this theme is shown up over and over and particularly in our current dialogue and even just in our specific conversation. So absolute versus relative compassion. So my understanding of it is absolute compassion is when we recognize our higher purpose whether we believe in a God, the universe, that in the scheme of things, you know, um, how long the universe has been in place, our lives are just like a speck of dust. You know, it's just barely a flicker uh, of time in in the scheme of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this great movie, I think it's from the 70s or 80s called Grand Canyon with Danny Glover and Kevin Kline. Amazing movie. Um, And very prevalent to, to uh, uh, the, the, the topic and the theme of, of what's going on in the world today. But it, it's also like a, a friendship movie. And there's a scene where they're sitting, looking out at the Grand Canyon. And they're like, think about how many years it took for the Grand Canyon to become the Grand Canyon. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, whatever it is, right? I'm not a geologist, so, <laughs> right? But to compare, if we're on this life 50, 75, 100 years compared to 100,000 years, that's perspective, right? So absolute compassion, being able to say is like, okay, in the scheme of things, like things are going to be okay, right? The world's going to move on and there's, there's, a bigger, there's a bigger thing at play. So we can find a sort of grounding with that absolute compassion. Mm. On the other side is relative compassion. If I see you in pain, if you and I, we've come to know each other, um, we become friends, we have a relationship, and I I hear that you're you're going through some pain, you're you're struggling with something. I can empathize with your pain Mm because Ultimately, we're still physical beings on this planet, on this earth, mm-hmm. right? So if, if I get hurt, if I'm having physical pain, 
we can I can empathize with you, right? Uh, another great example and story is uh, uh, hearing about uh, this author sharing their experience about meeting the Dalai Lama and, and seeing him on, on stage. And of, of all the people in this, in this world who maybe has a connection to some absolute compassion, the Dalai Lama may be one of them, right? Yet on stage, he's hearing people's stories and in one minute, he's laughing, just, just like belly laughing, just really empathizing with the person. And then literally the next minute, he's crying because he's so connected, so empathetic, has so much compassion for the person that's sitting across from him. That's relative compassion. And the beautiful, the important piece that, you know, at least Norman was talking about around this is we need both. We can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. If we only have relative compassion, if I only... If, if I only empathize, if I only this, if I only, then I, that, that's at risk of um, compassion fatigue, empathy mm-hmm. fatigue, going down a rabbit hole of depression, just only seeing the woes and the troubles in the world. And then that's that point that you said, is like, it's too heavy. I, I'm not able to, to function. And then it, it, it wears at me, you know, this is very prevalent in the nonprofit world, burnout, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? People are so wanting to serve and give, but there's no boundary for themselves. If, the, if there is no boundary, burnout is incredibly high in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, if I'm only ever in absolute compassion, you know, I'm, I'm dedicated to meditating, really taking the time to my own spiritual development. Let me go out, be in nature, be in woods, but don't bother me with your woes. Mm -hmm. Then you're at risk of being a spiritually obsessed asshole, right? (laughs) You're disconnected with society. So there's this, this uh, yin and yang. Um, So, so back to your, like your question, what's our responsibility, right? I think there's some connection of the deeper work of maybe connecting to What's, what's the absolute deeper work? What's the bigger picture at play? Um, how can I enhance my capacity to be uncomfortable, right? Because that's a lot of these race conversations, the dialogue, it, it's around discomfort, right? Um, and to be able to dive into specific things. You mentioned about being able to learn from other sources, um, um, thinking fast and slow. Absolutely. We are, I think there's an opportunity to learn from other sources if we are aware that there's opportunity to connect, to connect it and apply it. Because mm-hmm. just because you have developed yourself to think and act and enhance your mindset, your perspective that way, doesn't mean everyone who reads Thinking Fast and Slow will. He's going to get that, the same perspective, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a beautiful point that you made and the way that I kind of understand the two topics is one is individualistic view and the other one is a collective. Yes. And looking at it through that lens and it, it's actually been fascinating. I'm curious to hear how you watch movies or how you read books hmm. with this newly developed thought process that you have right now. For me, what's been 
interesting is within the past year, for sure, maybe longer, I no longer watch movies for how they're presented. To hmm. me, everything within the film is metaphorical. Interesting. And I don't know if it's because the level of awareness has increased so much throughout the year due to all of these resources and influences. Uh-huh. I, where I look at a film, the most recent one I watched was A Thousand Words okay. on Netflix with Eddie Murphy. And the basic concept is that he has a thousand words. So there's a tree. And for every word that he says, one of the leaf, leaves fall down. Mm. And the message is that it, it essentially is supposed to communicate, at least in my opinion, how many meaningless words we use over the course of our lifetime and how in situations where if I just sat there in, in silence or communicate in another way, I can actually convey the message better. Ooh. And the, when the, what that movie got me thinking was that every single one of the instances I looked at, not just like a, you know, beginning, middle and end, but every single one of them just got me thinking like, wow, I see this in my life every single day. Or I know people like that who say this or do that. And so I, I, it's been really interesting. Every movie, I kid you not, every movie I've watched within the past year has been looked through this metaphorical lens and different elements of like foreshadowing. And just so I'm not really there watching the film, but it's almost like I'm watching a film within a film. Oh, I love that. I love that. You, you are... Uh... Yeah, you're, you're the observer. Yeah, and I don't know how that happened. Or, I mean, I'm, the only thing I can relate it to is that level of self-awareness. It has been increased to, to a, such a level where I no longer look at that thing. E even in, in this conversation, some of the phrases you're saying, I'm not taking them in as they're being said. I'm mm. applying them like t five years from now or in the future or in the past. So I think there's, I don't know how that happens. I, I don't know if that's a connection to some sort of frequency or energy that happens where a certain word to you may be simple. And to me, it's like, wow, so well, much to be said within that. That's really fascinating. I, I wonder if that is part of your ongoing journey and your ongoing development mm -hmm. of I mean, by, by we're, we're just getting to know each other and mm -hmm. had a couple of conversations by, but by virtue of you having this podcast and, and engaging in these conversations, I can imagine you, you are a person of someone who's really looking to continue to, to, to deepen, deepen mm -hmm. something, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and with that deepening, there's uh there's that opportunity for a shift the, the way we see the world yeah L mm -hmm. literally the way that you're seeing the world is through a different lens mm -hmm. and, and how you're taking in information and then what you're making of it because you could see something and then just take it at surface value and that this is interesting this reminds me of uh of a uh, uh, an acquaintance friend acquaintance uh, from for many years ago um uh white woman 
and she was traveling. She grew up, she grew up in the U.S., and she was traveling, um, I believe, for one of the first times. Um, it might have been uh, Jamaica, some, some country where it's like very different than the U.S., and um, some other friends and I, when, when she came back, we were thinking like, oh, okay, like, what was the experience? Many times you hear of people's stories, like they go travel and, and their worldview shifts, right? It's mm -hmm. just a completely different perspective. And, and we often hear that's why people love to travel because it just opens their mind. They, they get a, a completely different view of the world. And, and I would say that that's probably a big part of what's influenced my life because I was born in India, but I grew up outside. I grew up in Australia, England, and the U.S. Granted, all English, former colonial, you know, uh, colonial cultures, but still this sort of different perspective. So this friend, she had gone, and, and when she came back, she's like, yeah, it was cool, you know, like, had some good food, you know, and, and got to meet some cool people. But there, there didn't seem to be any, like, deeper reflection Kind of like you're saying, like being mm -hmm. able to see people's experiences, being walking through just like immense poverty, it, it didn't it, it didn't shift her in a way that that I thought it might have shifted her or mm -hmm. it, it didn't have that deeper level of sort of reflection of like, wow, there are people in this world who have a night and day experience than me. What does that mean for my place in this world? What does that mean for how I want to show up and serve in this world? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the fact that I'm hearing you talk about watching that movie and you're not just taking it as, oh, cool, funny movie, Eddie <laughs> Murphy. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's witty. It's like, oh, how am I going to show up now Am I going to pause? And what yeah. words am I going to use? Yeah. Yeah, it was a really profound, uh, profound film. And the other thing, as you're sharing this, it got me thinking. And I, I don't think I can speak for all, certainly can't. But it got me thinking in, in regard to this lens that we choose to see the world. And the question that I've been pondering is, what causes the shift? Mm. I'm sure there are many variables depending on the circumstance, but throughout your life, in some of those moments where you feel like your life shifted, the ones you're able to articulate today, what do you think ultimately caused that shift? Ooh. Was it that tension? Was it that uncomfort? Or is there something else completely that you might not have been aware of at the time? Good question. There were definitely times when I reached a, a, a place of adversary, adversity. Um, suffering where I was struggling with something in my life 
and it 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 got got to such a point that either it's one of those things that um, I, I could no longer it would be harder for me to keep trying to live that way without it starting to impact my mental health, my emotional health, my well-being, maybe, let's, let's say. Um, yeah, like, it, so, so one of the, the first shifts, uh, let's say, was in high school. I, uh, there was a particular part of, of my high school experience that was very difficult for me. And um, it, it got to a very difficult place where I could have kept going on as if everything was okay. Hey, just keep doing the thing. Uh, keep doing your homework. Keep being a good Indian son. Keep going down the path that society, uh, family, cultural dynamics say I'm supposed to keep going down just because there's this thing. And if I went down that path, I, th I think that that's where um, you hear those stories of somebody who's been married for 20 years, they have adult children, and now somebody comes out and says, sorry, honey, I'm gay, mm -hmm. right? They, they shove that part of themselves just deep in a corner that they weren't willing to look at it or for whatever reason. And then it got to a, a point where they couldn't ignore it anymore. And I wonder if that that's kind of back to something we we're saying at the beginning is like, there could be that, that shift. Now, not, not to say that um, there weren't multiple other factors that may be impacting. Mm -hmm. but, and, and that's, I think, another key point of we have choice and there are many multiple factors at play, right? You said individualistic versus collective. At any point, there's multiple factors at play just because, uh, you know, just just because I had an opportunity d doesn't mean it was only because of my choice. Yes, I had a choice and I took, took um, I leveraged a, a chance to, to take advantage of that opportunity, but I also had support from peers. I also had maybe parents that supported me. Um, but then in terms of coming back, I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of meandering a little bit here, but the, that shift of, I don't know if, if it's necessarily saying, oh, I'm going to shift my perspective now. Mm -hmm. I think part of it may be, and that's like, doing the active work, educating ourselves, learning people's experiences who we're not used to hearing. Mm -hmm. Empathize truly, if, can we truly empathize with another person's experience, right? Can I truly empathize with your story not with saying, well, you should have done this, or if you had only done that, or because you did that, you are now successful. Without the, without the 
assessment part, kind of like you were saying, being the observer, not not watching the movie, but mm-hmm. watching the movie of watching the movie. <laughs> right? Well put. <laughs> if you can get to that level of observation, I think that's when things start to shift. Because then things really start to become clearer of wow this is bs this might be a narrative um i'm feeling this pressure to do this thing and where is that really coming from is that is that something that i actually want to do and then noticing that thought you know th- th- this is very much getting into a lot of like mindfulness practice mm-hmm. how can we truly observe non-judgmentally just truly observe and i wonder it's a little bit of it feels a little bit chicken and the egg Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like do we get that awareness because we choose to get that awareness maybe you know the more that i practice being able to look from that lens the more my capacity enhances to Mm -hmm. see from that lens i think absolutely Mm -hmm. and i think there are other times that just kind of shock us into it, mm-hmm. right? Through adversity. Um, you know, I, I was I was reading or listening to a little bit about your story um, about you being um, uh, adopted, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that was a reality of your experience that you, once you came to realize that you couldn't ignore it. So, how do you want to now live through that? Mm-hmm. Do you want to live through that with resentment or can you live with that and see that there may still be pain, acknowledge it. And how can then you still move through that? Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe that that's come back to that inner and outer work again. I think it does. And I, and I think the working through part, it goes back to identifying meaning I think when the thing that you mentioned, which was interesting to me, the whole thing of having to go through different structures of education due to maybe the country you were born in and how that's, you know, education might be a high pillar versus if you're, if I'm born somewhere else, it might be something else mm-hmm. as that priority for life. And what it got me thinking was as you were sharing your own journey and having gone through all of these different tiers, bachelor, master's degree, and all these other higher forms, that there's a point in life, for me at least, where I looked at certain things that, let's say my parents wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. And there was for sure, there were points where I might have had certain resentment because I didn't feel like I was in control of those decisions, Mm -hmm. you know? Going to college, it was not, there wasn't even a discussion. It's like you're going to college. Right, right. You're going to college because it's an opportunity to expose yourself to other networks, learn about people, learn all these subjects and stuff like that. But because I didn't feel like I had full control over that decision, there was that resentment. Mm. And what I realized over time was that there's a choice, which is something that you point out that I can make. Am I going to continue on with that resentment, which Mm -hmm. is only going to lead to deeper suffering? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to accept that resentment for what it was and help myself understand that 
maybe at the time of when certain decisions were made for me, maybe I didn't have the capacity to make those decisions myself mm-hmm. because I didn't see the future. Absolutely. Like someone else did. And that's where I think letting go and choosing to forgive and move forward. And the moving forward part is looking at all of those things as decisions that were made for me and asking myself, what's the meaning that I want to create from that moving forward? Absolutely. And that's what I think leads into that purpose. Yeah. I can, I can appreciate that too. Cause I, I remember, you know, similar things. Yeah. Growing up is like, yeah. It was a given. You go to, you're gonna go to college. You're gonna, you, you're gonna follow <laughs> yeah, this path. You're gonna get a right? job. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's interesting, where, where there's another layer of that that I see, is, um, I can empathize with you of having a similar experience there, mm-hmm. and I can say that yeah, that absolutely, and there's an element of. Um, accepting ultimately accepting the reality of what is and then Mm -hmm. how can i move forward with it um and that's within the lens of my experiences because i've had a particular set of experiences and so something you're saying about the education piece there's so we've got the formal education we've got books is that there's this whole other area of when you went to college when i went to college did I just continue to hang around other people that looked and thought like me? And so therefore I only further enhanced my existing perspectives and lenses, Mm -hmm. or did I take an opportunity to stretch outside my comfort zone, look at other perspectives, meet other people, expose myself to other experiences that I may not have been used to. And from that, that's a whole other, other level of education Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, this is maybe the interweaving of awareness again is Mm -hmm. um, not only how are we learning to move forward for ourselves? How are we then also, this is, so this is now, I think, where I hear some of the dialogue around um, uh, the, the, the racial dialogue, where I hear certain things as like, well, wh- why can't the black community just move on, right? Why, why can't you just let go of the past and move forward? Mm-hmm. It's like, that, that's easy for me to say, because I haven't been through that experience. Mm-hmm. Right? I can say that for my own experience, right? Um, and, and I can say that maybe to another fellow Indian, um, and I can say to, to other non-Indians as well, but I think one of the missing pieces that, that is often uh, what's creating the challenge around the racial uh, dialogue is, are we truly understanding the Black community's experience? Mm-hmm. Right? And why the Black community? Why not all lies? Well, okay. Absolute versus relative, right? right? In the bigger scheme of things, absolute, yes, we want to be enhancing all people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we're in a pandemic. We've got coronavirus, right? Just because we're trying to find a cure or a vaccine for coronavirus doesn't mean we don't care about cancer anymore. Yeah. Doesn't mean we don't care about uh, other ailments and other diseases. It's like, 
no, this is the blaring thing that's impacting so many people right now. And so similarly, I think there's this like, um, the, the, the idea of Black Lives Matter is like, there is such a unbalance of what the black community experiences of, as whole collectively injustices that they have experienced and continue to experience. And so are we truly able to understand on one level, we'll, we'll never know because we can never truly know, but how close can we truly understand and understand that discomfort and be with that discomfort? And that can then shift our perspective. That can shift our awareness. And then from there, yeah, then how can we move forward, right? Then how can we make shifts and changes? Once again, what's my inner work? And then what's the outer work? Yeah. So that's kind and of... And I think that goes back to the individual question of how much do you need to know in order to take whatever action you aspire? You know, and, that's, yeah. and that's for everyone that's listening is that it, whatever information, however much of it you need to know to create that next step forward, that's, it's completely up to you. It's completely up to the individual journey. The other thing that I think, in my opinion, could make a, could have a different impact on a lot of the conversations and just way of living when it comes to injustice and equality. In my opinion, it's changing the narrative from speaking from we to I. Hmm. And I think changing the responsibility versus, for, for example, I, I've caught myself and I probably still do sometimes speaking on behalf of everyone. We hmm. need to do this. We should do that. What it does actually, from my experience, is that it doesn't inspire me enough to actually move into that action. Mm. Versus if I say, I need to do this, I need to do that, I'm creating opportunities not only for myself to hold myself accountable, but whoever I'm having a conversation with, so that next time I have a dialogue with them, they may ask me the question, so what are you doing? Last time you said you were going to do this. See, I think if, you, if, if it's approached from the we perspective, what's the point of even asking that question? Mm. You're not going to ask me, what are we doing? Because then you're part of that we. <laughs> yeah. But if, I think if, you, if, you, if shifting it to the individual, and what are you doing? Kind of putting the spotlight on you. And then that gives you a chance to explore and actually evaluate and assess yourself where I'm at. And that's where I think part of that dialogue I see, I see this happen in every area of life. Not only the things that experience, and literally everything. Stress, money, fear, you know, we're all afraid. And I just look at it and it's like, I don't think that's true. I'm not. I'm not afraid when it comes to certain things. I may not be afraid when it comes, what, whatever you're afraid of may not be fear to me. Yeah. So I think it, it boils down to it's funny how we're, the topic is inner work and literally we're doing inner work during this, <laughs> during this hour, but it's yeah. that self-awareness component. It's being aware enough where I can understand that instead of me choosing to speak on behalf of everyone, when in reality, and there's something that you said that's also beautiful to point out, is that we don't truly know. I don't truly know your experience. Mm -hmm. 
I only know the experience that you're able to articulate. And that and, is hopefully and, the experience that you have done the work around. Yeah. And I think also to the, to the extent that you are willing and open to truly understand it. me. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's two, there's two skill sets that we're going with. And so next week we may have a conversation and we might be in a complete other sphere of understanding due to yeah. all the influences that we've had. So I think this concept of truly knowing, I actually just posed that question to a friend of mine because it, it just genuinely got me thinking. Do we think that we know something versus knowing that you know something? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you actually know or do you just think that you know? I think that I just think that I know because that knowing it constantly evolves. You know, there's yeah. a thought within a thought. And if that's true, if there is no end to that thought, then how can you truly know something to the 10th degree of it? Yeah. The, the, um, what's interesting that's shown up for me with regard to that, um, I think there's truth to that. And I think there's that, uh, the, the yin and the yang component again is like, there's validity in exploring that and that might be part of the inner work yeah but then if i only ever stay there then that becomes uh that that's at risk of becoming i'll call it intellectual masturbation uh -huh. where i just get caught up in my thoughts and i'm just reflecting and then i only ever stay there yeah and then there's once again now that opportunity of like okay what what what's the that could be absolute okay what's the relative component what's the outer work now knowing that how do i still come out and engage in the world with an individual mm -hmm. yeah and even with the i versus we i think there's a dance between the two i love the piece that you said about okay paying attention to i what's my responsibility i think in also one right. of your previous podcasts uh, the guest was talking about taking it personal yeah. Right? And so, all right, there's a component of that. So I do my work and then I take it personal and I take responsibility to take action. And I think then there's also a collective we conversation that mm -hmm. needs to be have and where we might be at any given point on that sort of journey or dance back and forth. Um, I think that's the art of it, right? The, yeah. the art of being human, figuring out, right? In, in part of the, the leadership coaching work that I do, I say it, it's ultimately my commitment, my focus is how can I empower myself and empower others? Mm. Right? The leaders that I'm working with, how, how can I help empower them so that they can empower others, right? Because mm -hmm. ultimately, I'm still living in this world with other people. Yeah. So maybe full circle. And as we're wrapping up, here as well, <laughs> it's like, okay, what's the inner work that I need to do to explore? How do, what do I need to do to empower myself? What's the, the skeletons, the, 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 mm -hmm. the privileges, the things, the discomfort that I need to work through the blind spots, the mm -hmm. blind spots. Absolutely. What are the blind spots? And I think it's evolving. It's always evolving. Like that, that's how I've lived my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is once again, the paradox, the, the paradox of 
ultimately, I'm, I'm already whole. I'm not broken. When we think of from a truly spiritual sense, I'm not broken. And I can continue to evolve in the way that I relate to other people, the relative compassion piece, mm. right? That blind spots may very well be hurting other people or maybe impacting people. So that's important for me to do that work and educate myself. And then how can I then ebb, go out and do the outer work, engage with people, now take what I'm learning and living through it. And then I've, I've come to a new level of, of education, a new level of awareness. And then there might be another layer of like learning. And, and I think that's the dance. Mm -hmm. That's the dance. That's how I want to live my life is like continuing to, to dance and, and growing. I, I never want to stop growing because mm -hmm. um, I think there's richness and aliveness in that. Yeah. And maybe that'll be the ongoing thing is, okay, what's the inner, inner work and what's the outer work? Mm -hmm. What's the best way that people can connect with you? Because obviously you and I can have this conversation yes. for <laughs> six or seven more hours. And I think it's um, best for our listeners to just connect with you and learn more about your experience. Yeah, certainly. So a uh, few different methods. Um, my website is Amit Riker, A-M-I-T-R-A-I-K-A-R, AmitRikar.com. Or you can email me at Amit, A-M-I-T, at AmitRiker.com. Or feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'll probably have a profile picture of uh, me uh, in a fedora. <laughs> and just send me a message. Yeah, it's like, hey, heard you on... Uh, Overcoming Odds podcast and would love to connect and uh, continue in, in more dialogue. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, Consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week. Thank you.